Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Hey there. Before we jump in today, I wanted to tell you about the three-month program that I have available to you. It is really all about reclaiming your true nature and leaning into your spirituality and learning how to incorporate that into your medical career. So few of us are feel comfortable really embracing the spirituality that we feel to be true in our lives. And looking back, I realized that really recognizing who I fundamentally am at my core was the one thing that propelled me to overcome imposter syndrome and get over my self-doubt and stop caring about other people's opinions and ultimately make me a much better doctor and a more fulfilled one. So if you're interested in doing this work and really learning how to allow your spirituality to um, take a place in your career um, and fulfill the nature that you know to be true at your core, then check that out. Check out the link in the um, episode details, or you can go to kristinyatesdo.com and then click on three-month experience. Let's jump into today's episode. Dr. Babalola is a board-certified family physician practicing both clinical and academic medicine at Morehouse School of Medicine as an associate professor and clerkship director. She's also a health and fitness coach, founder of Living your life at your finest company. She has a passion for helping communities of color with a focus on women to live at their finest holistic health by being empowered to nourish their bodies, minds, and spirits. She applies a fun, fundamental, and a faith-based framework as she shares lessons learned from her personal health struggles and extensive professional training. She has a coaching program, YouTube channel, and a podcast. She has a fun freebie for you, so check that out in the show notes page, along with where to find her on social media. Enjoy. All right. I am here with Delapo Babalola, also known as Dr. Babs. I'm so happy to have you. Yes, I'm delighted to be part of this amazing podcast of yours. It's great work that you're doing, uplifting everyone. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you're doing. So tell me about what's, when we think about imposter syndrome, what comes up for you most like first and foremost in your brain? Being deceptive, not, not being authentic. That those are the words that come to me. Am I capable? Am I enough? Those are the words that, that ring a bell in terms of being impostor. Yeah. Yeah. And is that something that you can remember through your career in any or any of the ventures that you've had that's come up for you? Yes. Yes. I recall as far back as when I was getting into medical school, Mm -hmm. that was where I first had that motion that I might not be capable to be a doctor. I've always wanted to be a doctor as early Mm -hmm. as five years old. I'm the oldest of four kids and I'm originally from Nigeria always wanted to be a doctor, but then it was just challenging getting into medical school, never struggled, you know, in in school, in high school, middle school, but for some reason, I just didn't make the cutout mark to get into medical school. And in Nigeria, if you don't make that score, you're just going to have to settle for something else. So Mm -hmm. I got into microbiology, but I was still, 
I, I said, this is not enough. This is not what I want. I want to be a doctor. I want to take care of people. I love the human body. I thought it was mysterious and I wanted to get it. So I had a chance. And out of over, I believe, 500 at the time, they were only going to take four people for that year from microbiology mm. and all the other sciences. And if we could only make that cutoff mark, then we will get in. Four people would get into medicine. And it was a struggle. And that was where I began to think, am I really capable of this? Mm. Why do I really want to become a doctor? Even my mom who is a retired lawyer, actually sat down with me and said, what's the big deal about being a doctor? You are already doing really well in microbiology. Mm -hmm. Why don't you pursue that? And I just said, no, I'm going to give it all that I can, even though sometimes I felt I wasn't capable. Mm -hmm. And luckily enough, I was one of the four people wow. that got in that year. So that is where I recall that it started, where I doubted my ability to even get in in the first place. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like even then you did have this underlying work ethic or something like what was it that made you push past that doubt and and keep and work hard and, and get that spot? Well, so I, I guess at that point, I felt there was nothing else that I wanted to do other than medicine. I mm -hmm. felt if I gave it all that I can, even if that voice, still voice kept telling me, you're not capable, it's impossible, look at the numbers, everyone wants to get in. My faith, in addition to that strong will, so I am a strong will person, mm -hmm. you know, I have the ethics of hardworking. And I recall telling myself that I don't have to be brilliant as long as I'm hardworking. And that I had, I was mm -hmm. I everything possible. And I'm just grateful that I was able to just catch up with the dreams that I've always had and I was able to get in. So that's what pushed me forward. And, and there were times where a lot of my friends dropped out. They said, you know what, forget this. This is just mm. too much. Friends of mine that were still in touch with each other, they said it wasn't worth it. But I knew that this was the only thing I wanted. There was no plan B or C. So maybe all of that put together just you know, made me so determined and I was able to get in. I met all the um, prerequisites and I was able to successfully complete all the requirements and, and get transferred into medicine. Wow. And then once you were there, did you feel like you earned that spot and you, you belonged or did it come up again for you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I felt like I earned it. Yes. At that yeah. moment, I was so proud of myself. And even my mom, you know, as I mentioned, she told me, why are you stressing yourself? Yeah. Let it be. But yeah, I felt really proud. And those are the little wins, you know, so the mm -hmm. syndrome is always there. But the little wins, it encouraged me that if, if I can do this, even when it showed up again. Well, that was a big win, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Win. That's a big win. That was a big win. <laughs> Our, yeah, you're absolutely right. But, you know, when I had doubts when it came up again, whether mm -hmm. it was preclinicals or clinicals, because in Nigeria, you do three years of preclinicals. It's different from in the United States where mm -hmm. you do an undergrad and then you do four years of medical school. So you do three years of, of preclinicals and then you do another three years of clinicals. And during the struggle, preclinicals, as you might recall, all the study time mm -hmm. and then going in the clinics. It, show, it showed up again that are you, are you yeah. sure you're in the right place? Are you up to this? And I said, well, I had a big win before I can do this. And that was exactly what pushed me through. And the, 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 the desire to, to press through in spite of all the voices and all the challenges and also 
seeing that other people are doing it, if they mm-hmm. have, and the, what I always remember telling myself is that they have one head. Nobody has two heads. So mm-hmm. I have one head as well. I can do it. Whatever it takes, I can push forward and let that still voice just stay behind and watch me do it. And, and that's exactly how I coped all through medical school and I was able to complete it. That's amazing. And so many good points here. I want to um, highlight the first is what you said about the small wins. I mean, certainly getting into medical school was a big win, but doing that validation that validating ourselves for the smallest thing is so important. And I think that in our training, we're not really taught to do that. It's like, oh, if you, if you don't do enough on the, don't do well enough on this test or that test, and it's not good enough, instead of just rec- like validating what you do know and you know, and then working on what you don't. And I think just in general, physicians never feel comfortable saying that we did a good job. And it's one of the things that leads us to kind of feeling like crap all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. We have to acknowledge those progress that we've made. Mm-hmm. Even at my current state, I'm in academics right now at Morehouse School of Medicine, and I teach medical students. And there are times mm-hmm. where they feel crappy during classes or when they finish the MBME. And I tell them, no, just because you didn't make the cutoff or because you have to take the MBME or the in-service exam again, you are worth much more than you even know. And that's the state that I always have because I've been through it. And I know there are times when you're going to feel down, but acknowledging the progress you've made, you've come so far for you to doubt. And you just have to figure out, okay, what's going on, reflect. And that's what the imposter syndrome, where you feel like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm not capable. I've made some errors and mistakes and seeking mentorship and, you know, just challenging yourself and encouraging yourself that you are able to exceed what, where you are, the progress that you've made so far. Yeah. Yeah. The medical students, I mean, I hope that they realize how lucky they are to have a mentor like you, because hearing that voice is not so common, unfortunately, I think where there is someone telling them that they really truly are more than a score. Um, How, how is that received? Like, do you feel like they're getting more used to believing that or? Yeah, I sure hope so. It appears that it's being received well. And as you said, not many faculty members are saying this because Mm -hmm. we're all used to when you're in school, well, medical school is very competitive. A few of you are going to drop out. You know, you hear that all the time. So they're trending that way. So I, 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 I agree with your, with your question that they, they're baffled when they hear Mm -hmm. me during our sessions that, you can do this. Don't be discouraged, you know, and it takes a minute for them to believe it. But because I've said it over and over again, they actually appreciate it when they're done at the end of the six weeks of family medicine, I get thank you messages, you know, just the other day, just a few days ago, a student reached out, she's in her fourth year now. And she was like, thank you for helping me through it. Mm -hmm. You know, family medicine, just the word of encouragement and letting them know that yes, it's competitive out there. You might feel your, your classmate is getting all the A's and you have to retake, it doesn't make you less than a person. You are learning and you're growing. So yeah, it's it, it over, I mean, you have to hear it over and over again, I guess, right. for you to actually believe it. And, and that was the same for me. I had to seek good mentors that encouraged me. And again, my faith, and, and mm-hmm. that's what kept me going. And I'm just passing it forward, <laughs> passing it forward to encourage other people. Yeah. Yeah. So what brought you to... Um, getting into the coaching aspect and, and everything else that you do from a holistic standpoint, how did you bring that into your career? Yes. 
my career over the years, so I've been in academic medicine for 14 years now, and I've always enjoyed, you know, coaching, teaching, and that position that will not do 15 or 20 minutes with a patient. Mm -hmm. I like to educate the patient, get to the root cause, because I believe that once you know better, you do better. And that was where I started. And I started having this shift because I've had my personal struggles as much mm -hmm. as I I love, I, the, the body is just so unique and the way it transforms over just what we eat, how we live our lives. I had to do some inner searching with myself as much as we learn how to diagnose somebody and we're just given treatment. What else can we do to help, you know, preventative care, not just taking care of diseases. And when I was able to figure that out for myself, I really wanted to adapt that into my care you know in terms of my practice and that was where that all started off and I decided that I needed to learn a little bit more and that's where I pursued obesity medicine I went forth and I did lifestyle medicine certification and a couple of other things that make it more of a holistic care because mm -hmm. we're not just the one person that you see in front of us it's the whole facet of, of, of your health care the pillars of, of holistic care and that was when I decided I needed to dive in a lot more. And I took it a step further, not just with my patients. Again, the background was for myself and healing myself mm -hmm. and spreading it. And as I mentioned, I've always wanted to educate people. I love sharing the knowledge. I believe it retains better when I actually share it mm -hmm. and people need to hear it. So I also push that forward to students because students, if we eat healthier, if we sleep better, all of that would transcend to how we perform. And also you can better the imposter syndrome that comes in. Mm -hmm. We have that self-doubt. You can self-regulate because you're looking at yourself in a holistic manner and not just different segments. And so that's where the passion came in from, where I decided that this is really the approach that I wanted to take. And it's so far, it's really been very nourishing. Yeah. And I bet for the, for everyone you coach and mentor as well, because it's so true with, with in our training and with students and residents, you think you have to be exhausted and studying up all, all, all night studying. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say like, Oh, the more exhausted you are, like, that means that that means you're working harder. And it's yeah. like this weird, like badge of honor, like, Oh no, I'm so tired. Like, that's what we we're just used to saying that like, it's yeah. some heroic thing instead of going back to the basics. And like, these are my human needs. And I'm trying to not go to alcohol or chocolate or ice cream in order to get through medical yeah. school. It's so yeah. counterintuitive. And yet that's what's, that's what everyone thinks is normal. Yeah, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I have yeah. faculty members that will tell students, if you are not sleeping less than three hours, then you're not studying. I mean, mm. I get that during orientation. And I'm so glad that whenever this particular faculty says this, she knows that somebody is going to counteract what she says because, mm -hmm. nope, that's not correct. You need to have a balanced life because yeah. imagine continuously, that's not sustainable. No. And then you're not able to quiet that voice, the imposter syndrome and all the mm -hmm. other things that come along with just not, you know, living a holistic, healthy um, life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and sleep is such a big deal too, because I think for doctors, it really, we do feel like that. Like we don't, we, we don't have time to focus on sleep or rest or even like th things like hobbies or play or fun, because that would make us less of a doctor. 
Yeah, you're right. And, you know, the question that I always ask during orientation, because my family medicine rotation is six weeks and I'm the collection director, I always begin by fun facts. Let's learn something about you. Mm -hmm. And we have a nice time with 16, 17 students. We go around. I share them. I share something about myself and I learn about them, too, because we're a whole person. It's not just the book and what your scores are. As a doctor, we need to be personable, right? Mm. Your doctor is not going to say, what did you score in your MBME? What did you get in your OB? It's who you are as a person and being able to identify who you are and connect with your patient. I think that matters. So it does make a big difference. And I, I... I'm hoping that the culture is beginning to change as we have more and us, more of us doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, the field that you're in, that's why I really love what you're doing with your podcast, Imposter Syndrome, because we all suffer with it. I believe yeah. most people, if not everyone, yep. but the question with the work you're doing is how do you work, how do you work against that? It's there, but how do you press forward? How mm-hmm. do you move in spite of that and not quit? Because there are people right. that will quit because of that. But if 100%. you have tools, to press forward, then you can come up on top. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I think just the recognition that imposter syndrome is just a normal part of being human. And if the more we talk about it, I think it takes the stigma away and the shame away, which is what drives some physicians out of medicine. Um, So what I have a question I just thought of what, how in your career have you created sustainability and fulfillment and like what kind of boundaries do you have in place to make sure that to make sure that those that you can stay fulfilled in your in your career yes well it is I I love that you asked the question it's a it's a work in progress right Mm -hmm. every day I have to sit back and reflect I am always very honest with myself I, I believe the only person that you can't lie to really is yourself. Mm-hmm. You, maybe everybody else, but when you sit down and reflect, you have to be honest. So that's where I begin. I sit back and I ask myself, what are my goals? What am I trying to achieve? What are my values? And it has evolved as years you know, have gone by. When I started initially was, oh yeah, I'm a faculty member. I want to prove myself. I say yes to every single thing. But then as I started to grow and mature, it's like, okay, you need to set boundaries. You have a family now, mm-hmm. you have kids. You know, I want to live by example. So then I was able to, figure out what things do I prioritize there. I personally, I just believe that even as a high achieving woman, I can do a lot, but I can't do them all at the same Mm -hmm. time. So realistically, I decide what it is I want to do for this season. And that's what Mm -hmm. I do. I focus on one thing at a time. So in my career, as I progress, there are several things that I say no to because I don't believe it aligns with my core value. And when I discovered, especially when I took ill about 13 years ago, blood pressure problems, 220 over 120, almost Mm. died of a stroke just because I was like going, going, going. Um, I had poor eating habits. As much as I ate healthy, I also had poor eating habits. Mm-hmm. I wasn't resting well. And how can I, I can't fill anybody's cup if mine is empty. So I had to sit back mm-hmm. and reflect. And that was where I started dropping a f- couple of things that I was doing that was overwhelming. And I had to outsource a lot of things. So that's how I balance. Currently, I outsource what I need to outsource, do what I need to do that corresponds with my core value. And I make sure that I rest. I rest, take, um, I have this acronym, finest, living at your finest. So finest stands mm-hmm. for something. 
Uh, and part of the fineness, the F is fitness, I is interaction. I value my interaction, the connection with other people, people of like mind. N is nutrition, very important. And we have our E, which is enrichment. How do I enrich mm -hmm. myself? Is it spiritual? Is it mental? Is it social? How do I grow and be better? And then the S is sleep and substance abuse, how to cut back on that. And the T is take, take a break. So that's where I emphasize self-care and all of that is the acronym for finest. So that's how I live day by day now. Again, I always have to remind myself if I go off track, you don't want to be on blood pressure medicine again, right? So slow down, reevaluate, and, and that has really helped me. That's so, I love that acronym and I love everything you said. And my favorite thing I think is that you are creating space for yourself to not be perfect because as physicians, I think that's another thing we struggle with. And if we think if we're not doing it perfectly all the time, then, then we have to judge ourselves and berate ourselves. So just the acknowledgement that I just do the best I can. And sometimes there's, I slip and fall and that's also okay. Yeah. Instead of making it never, it making certain things okay. And certain things, you know, worth self-judgment. So I think that's really healthy and a great example. Yeah. It is. I, I, and especially when I had the blood pressure problems yeah. 13 years ago, they couldn't find why I was having that blood pressure. Cause I never had blood pressure issues. It was just shortly after I had my second child, I had a toddler and I wanted everything to be perfect. I'm a mm -hmm. type A person and I wanted everything perfect. But the toddler and a newborn, I actually thought this was just sleep deprivation and yeah. I'll get over it. But the worst headaches ever. And if not, because I checked my blood pressure after four days of having headaches, mm. I know that my blood pressure was that high. And I recall the ER physician sat next to me and he said, whatever is stressing you, you might need to let it go because we've done all the labs head CT and everything was negative. And it took me three months to learn how to de-stress to get off three blood pressure medicines. So yes, I've, I've wow. lived it. And that's my message to your listeners and everyone. We can't be perfect. That's not the goal. It's the progress that we make every day to get better and improve. And whatever those limiting factors are, to find a way to, to soften it and move past it and, yeah. and just get better for yourself and not have anyone because you know my best self is what I'm striving for the better me and not my next door neighbor because our lives are different and we have mm -hmm. different seasons and and that's where I am now and I think it's a healthier place to be and that's my message as I speak with my patients and also my learners residents and and um, students, and of course, my family members. And so we keep ourselves in check. My husband does it. He's like, are you living at your finest at the moment? And I'm like, yeah, well, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> and we do, you know, the same thing. We hold ourselves accountable. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. Do you mind um, telling the listeners what offer you have for them that I'll be leaving in the episode details? Absolutely. Yes. So to learn a little bit more about my signature tips for living at your finest, on my page, livingatyourfinest.com. There is the ebook, it's free, downloadable. Feel free to, to check that out. It has more details about the different pillars of holistic healthcare. And, and really it's just mind, spirit and body. And that really embodies everything. Awesome, well, thank you so much for your time. It was great talking to you. Same here, thank you.